check. Killing menaces, ammunition unlimited, quick but still a precisionist. My words are definitive, my money is sentences, my dollars are sensitive, most of my peers derivative, all of my songs they learning. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I am your host, Dr. Richard Waith. And today's going to be a little bit of a different episode. We actually don't have a pharmacist on today, but uh, as you know, sometimes I do like to switch it up a little bit. Um, you know, a couple months ago, we did have a professional race car driver on here. And today we have a, a musician, we have a, a producer, a songwriter, Roland, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So for those that don't know, uh, don't know you by now, um, what, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Let's get an introduction. Where are you from? Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, born and raised, uh, born and raised in a small town called Harwich, Massachusetts. It's outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And um, I've been doing music for about 10 years now, uh, nine, I'd say. And I do production, songwriting, and the actual artistry, like emceeing, you know, shows, all that, pretty much everything that entails the whole music. Um, and uh, I started this as kind of like a release, and it's just grown to be my passion. And now it's literally everything, you know, it pays my bills, it's my passion. It's my release, et cetera, you know? That's pretty cool, man. And one thing I do, so let's just assume that people know you, right? Like, let's assume everyone that's listening right now know exactly who you are. They're following you. Now they're a fan. Give What's something real random that no one probably knows about you? Something really random that no one knows about me? Um, let's see. I would say that, I mean, this might be a little deep for this question, but like, I would say that like everything that I do, every, all the music, all the grinding, all the work all comes back to like making sure that my people are good. Like it, though it's a hobby, though it's a entertainment thing, though everything in the end of the day, as much as braggadocious as I can be in music and as, um, you know, as much as I float around with music and have different personalities in it, like everything in the end of the day is literally to, uh, you know, have my people all living good and, you know, live a great life. Yeah. it's awesome, man. I mean, I feel like, so part of what I want to do on this, uh, in this conversation is kind of make some connections between, you know, the completely different lifestyles and careers of, um, you know, being an artist versus, you know, being a pharmacist. And what I think is interesting yeah. about that is as people like me, especially I'm a first generation, um, you know, I'm the first one in my family to get a doctor degree. And a lot of that is to eventually, you know, be able to provide and take care of everyone and make sure everyone's good. And, you know, it's just, you know, a crazy similarity that I think a lot of other people, especially, you know, immigrants to the country or just, you know, people that don't come from a very educated background. Um, a lot of students, when they first get to school, they're sometimes the first graduates. And that's like what they're trying to do. They're just that's like the ultimate goal. So that's dope, man. That's dope to hear. So you said that it started as a release, um, like the music part. Like I'm real big on depending on when this episode is going to get dropped, I'm going to be talking a lot about self-awareness and figuring out what you're good at and what you like to do. And how did that kind of happen with you? Um, since I was a young kid, like my mom really pushed a lot of confidence in me. So I genuinely thought all of my life, I was pretty good at like everything and not saying not to be like full of myself, but I, I, I do get good at things pretty quickly. So I'm like good at a lot of things. So I always thought that I was like very good at 
this and that. And then I, I don't know when I did like, like I swore I'm only, I'm only six foot, six foot even. And I've always been like kind of a thicker dude, like a, like a heftier dude. Like I've always husky. had like a tub on me. So husky, let's call it that, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. So I've always been like a huskier dude. So I always thought like until like 10th grade that I was going to the NBA. <laughs> like I saw to God I was going to the NBA. And like, I always thought that I was, you know, good at whatever I was doing. And then I just feel like over time, like you, you feel it out and like, you know, it's right. Like I know music, I knew music was right when I got my first, uh, when I got my first appreciation message that says like, yo, you got me through this hard time. Like without you, I don't know if I would have made it like that. Uh, that was enough to know, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause even without the financial gains that I've gotten from this, that is extremely fulfilling and something that um, I could never put words to and I could not have enough gratitude for. Yeah. And were you trying stuff, other stuff before or like, did you? Yeah. I mean, I've always, you know, I got into music my freshman year of high school. And before that, it was a bunch of just, you know, being an entrepreneur and making money, however I like, you know, just dabbling in things. But I mean, I've had a day job since I was 15. I was working at Best Buy, then I worked at Apple, then I worked at Verizon and T-Mobile. I've kind of bounced around everywhere. But um, when I was at those jobs, like I still had music in mind. Like I was still like, this is temporary. This is temporary. I'm doing this so I can have money too fund my career, et cetera, pay my bills, et cetera, you know? So I did dabble in things like that. And I feel like if I didn't do music, I would have taken the route with something with technology or sales. Cause that's where my strong sides are. Gotcha. Gotcha. I asked because I think that, you know, a lot of times what people don't understand is that what, it, what your main thing that you're doing, the bubble that you were kind of put into, you know, when you're growing up and People are all oh, you got to go to college and you got to do this and that. And a lot of times in pharmacy, we've just done we just did like eight years deep, like in school and debt. And it's just like a lot of times this isn't like our real passion, um, but sometimes it is. But sometimes it's not. And uh, I'm going to be on some real big kicks soon because we had some news recently of um, a pharmacist that we don't know the exact details around it. Like there's a lot of things that's still up in the air, but there might have been like a mental health issue with someone taking their own life recently. And whether pharmacy had a part in that, I just think that life is too short, and and um, it, it kind of brings to it kind of brings to mind. You had a song, you just released a body of work not too long ago um, called Section Two um, that I was listening to on SoundCloud. It's pretty awesome, man. And you had a you thank had a, you, man. I appreciate that. No problem, bro. You had a song called which I think is the dopest one on there. Uh, Clouds and Dirt is dope too, but like now is the song, and I was just like, man, like I was listening through some of the lyrics, obviously, and I was like, like one thing caught me. I'll probably like insert hopefully a part of the song now here, but it, you said I've been mapping out the underground to pop up on the charts. And I was like, yep. man, that is deep, bro. Thank you for catching that, man. A lot of people like, uh, like just listen, just listen because it sounds good. The cadence is good. I love when people like actually listen and hear like slick shit that I put in my music. I, I really appreciate that. Cause I put a lot into my lyrics. Yeah, no, and, and I can tell, and I could hear it, and and maybe, like, I'm a different type of listener. When I love your music, obviously, because it's not, like, the mumble rap stuff that's big right now, but, like, uh-huh. to me, so we're going to get into misconceptions soon and, like, just kind of, like, uh, I guess learning a little bit more about each other, but I don't think I've ever said this on the year that I've been, almost the year that I've been podcasting, but I am one of the biggest Lil Wayne fans. Like, he's, like, 
the freaking goat to me. You know, like it's funny. He because, is the goat, bro. <laughs> he is absolutely the goat. Yo, he changed everything in music. Yeah, like if you walk, it's funny. Like I swear, like people are so surprised. If you were, were to ever walk into my house, we have like a like a collage wall, like right in our living room, and there's a bunch of different size pictures. The largest image in my in my living room is a huge Rolling Stone cover of Little Wayne. Like it's. Like I have a yeah, real like deep, <laughs> real deep obsession. But so, yo, he's literally the goat. Like he mapped out music for like our generation. Like a lot of people, and this is not to take away from the man at all, but like everyone's like gas that Russ puts out a song a week. Like Lil Wayne was doing a mixtape a month. Like, <laughs> yeah. like this man was like, he's the first to really put in the number, number, numbers game, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like people overlook that way too frequently. Yeah, he really, and it was fun, like, going through school, that was part of my grind. I had in my ears, I, like, throughout my whole, I, I got to, um, throughout my whole four years in undergrad, it was all just straight Lil Wayne. And, like, he's, I was about to ask you, like, who's your goat? But it kind of sounds like I know the answer to that there, but... Um, you know, you know, as much as as much as I, I will say he's a goat to me, I personally, my biggest influence and the one who pushed me to really uh, actually make it a thing like Eminem got me started. Lil Wayne fueled my fire. But the dude who really got me rapping and really wanting to level up and come for his spot, that's J. Cole, man, for me. Yeah, damn, that's that's pretty dope, man. What is it about him that kind of like what would you say about him that kind of got you there? I think um, hearing him rap about like growing up with a single mom who like went through drugs, went through alcoholism, like, and him just trying to be like a supportive son. I feel like, and his older brother always in trouble. I just feel like I could relate so much, mm -hmm. and I feel like his music, like Friday Night Lights, when he dropped that in the warm up, those were like those were like a whole different breed of music that hip hop hadn't seen, like. It was like some raspy type singing that like really popped to the ear. So I was just a big fan of how he produced his own stuff and he was just like authentic. He's always been such a real guy to me. I appreciate the human behind the music so much more than uh, most people, I would say, because I just watched his interview and I'm like, this man has so much to teach. He's just an old soul and his music, I don't know, something about it. I'm not even sure what it is. Maybe it's his voice, maybe it's his tone, maybe it's his punchlines or how he's never had to rap fast and he's always been top, considered one of the top rappers. Like, I don't know what it is about him, but for me personally, I would say J. Cole is the GOAT for me. Yeah. Like, so his mixtapes were, his mixtapes were game changers. That's awesome, man. Yeah, but what I was getting to with Wayne is that, like, he made me really listen to, like, the words. Like, plus he was able to have a, a crazy cadence and things like that on a lot of songs and but but listening to him like that's what really made me listen to actual lyrics and um, I can really appreciate that coming from you and one other thing too about your lyrics that that I find quite interesting is that vlogging nowadays is huge and I, there's never been an artist that I've listened to his music and I feel like I'm listening to a vlog like it's pretty crazy. That's dope, bro. I'll take that. I, I don't I don't like it. I feel like it's a picture you're painting even like where I feel like I'm I'm like. It's almost, I don't want to say it's like a movie, but like, it makes me feel like I'm in a certain scenario. Like, it's not just I'm listening to music. I want it to be cinematic. I want my stuff to be cinematic like that. And I've, it's definitely not the first time I've heard it. And I, I take that as a crazy compliment. And I'm extremely grateful for that. But like, when I do my music, it ends up coming out cinematic. And it's not even on purpose. It's not even like, I, I don't know if it's the tone. I don't know if it's the mindset I'm in when I'm writing it. 
I don't know if it's the detail I put into my lyrics, but like it just comes out like that. And uh, that's kind of what makes me think that it might be, you know, my calling is because it just comes out like that. Yeah. And what I think is interesting, it's like, you know, you're you're rapping about things that uh, it seems it's real. Like there's no way like you could have just made that up, you know, like and and no, I everything I rap is real. Yeah. And, and what I love about that is, and what I what I think I, I'd hope some listeners to get out of is that you're, at the end of the day, you're producing content, right? Like, obviously, it's music and things like that, but you're building your brand to produce content. So I usually try to get out to my 100%. listeners like, hey, like, you guys got to build your brand if you guys want to set yourselves apart from the rest of the field. And a lot of times people are asking me nowadays because they seen kind of the, the content that I've been putting out. They're like, what do I talk about? And I'm just like, talk about what you're doing. Like, talk about if you're in school, talk about that. If you're struggling out in the community, like if you're struggling at a hospital, if you're grinding at a hospital or like at an infusion center, like talk about that. That should be your content. Like it's whatever it is that you. Yeah, that, bro, if you're not doing anything, talk about why you're not doing anything. I mean, content like us as humans, we're all we're all individuals. If we stay in our own lane and be ourselves, there's enough consumers to want to watch everybody and anybody who has something to say or has something to relate to, like literally just talk about your life. I think that's a great message you're putting out there. Like literally you can talk about like, we just want to, in this day and age, we want to see other people live. We want to know what other people are up to. That's why YouTube has been so successful recently. Not recently for the past 10 years. Yeah. 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 Like in our generation recently, I feel you. Yeah. So, what I think that's a good segue to, I miss, I guess maybe like, let's talk about misconceptions. So there's a lot of misconceptions about pharmacists. Um, and I'd like to know what, what is, what do you think is the biggest misconception about being an artist is that's, that's not like true or something. Um, I think the biggest misconception for an artist is probably like people think that we're not human. People think that, uh, People think that like we're not human just because we make music or we're not like, you know, everybody else just because we make music or our faces are out there on the front line. Like, I think that's a huge misconception. I think that people overlook the actual human of us and the fact that like we put time and effort into this and like also that like interaction doesn't help. Like people are like, oh, I could comment, but like, uh, I don't know. I didn't like that type of interaction that helps like crazy. And I think that's undervalued. Like, I, I'm not sure what other like misconception I would say. I mean, maybe stereotypical rappers, like what people expect us to be as rappers. But I think the biggest one is just us being like human. Like people don't like oftentimes even look at us like humans. It's like, you're, you know, you're a brand and that's pretty much like what we are seen as. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I, I think the correlation there for us is, you know, a pharmacy has a crazy amount of operations that's happening throughout the day and not a large amount of time, but there's some times that mistakes happen. And a lot of times people don't like it's, it's shocking to people or, and like, or they're, they're outraged by like a mistake that we might've made at the pharmacy. Like obviously safety is one thing, but there's a lot of times that safety is not really like the mistake that happens. It could have been like, you know, maybe we didn't call someone for something um, you know, or maybe we, you know, didn't give them a medication that they wanted, but it wasn't like the end of the world about it. And like, they're so shocked, but it's just like, we're human, you know, like it's like th we miss things sometimes it happens, but. Right. Um, What's the biggest misconception for you? I'm curious. So I, I'm, I'm so glad you asked. I was going to tell you anyway, but I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> the, I think the biggest misconception about pharmacists, um, it's more of a comparison almost. And it's that 
when you look at healthcare, right? When you look at like someone who's sick, there's a huge part of like, the, especially if it's a, if it's a complicated issue or, or, or like a complicated diagnosis, there's a huge part in diagnosing people, right? Figuring out what's wrong. And I think that that's a practice in its own. And that's where I, I think that physicians have the most impact on physicians. Um, you know, your, your traditional primary care doctor and, and everyone that goes to med school, I feel like they're more responsible and like their part in healthcare should really be like, help us figure out like what's wrong with this person and what needs to be done. Then what I think the misconception starts to happen is, is the treatment side. Pharmacists are like our drug ninjas, bro. Like we go to school for four years strictly about drugs, right? That's all we do. In addition to learning about all the stuff that, um, are like all the, I would say high level things that people in med school would, would, uh, kind of figure out and learn. But, we know like a lot of times, like a, let's say, let's, let's just say blood pressure. Like a lot of times there's blood pressure, people that, that get diagnosed with blood pressure, you get, there's seven different medications. Physicians will usually say, okay, we'll usually start with step number one. Right. But a pharmacist part would say, no, this patient has, um, you know, they're actually, they're African American and they have this. So they're more likely to respond better to medication number four. So it's like that whole other side of like, of treating people after we figured out what's the problem, that's where a pharmacist is an expert at that no one else can like kind of be in that role as, or at least as well. Like a lot of, a lot of times nurses and physicians are trying to do that role, but pharmacists, because like we're literally drug ninjas should be like the ones in there kind of making those decisions and being consulted to like have that, have the best impact for that patient. So do you see people oftentimes um, diagnosed and, to you it's very clear that they're giving them the wrong thing oh man like you have no idea like all the time I mean and and a lot of times it's part of our job and and we have to call the doctor we'll call the doctor and say hey uh this probably a lot of times it's even like it's even harmful because let's say they have an allergy or let's say they're taking another medication that you know has an interaction and the doctor didn't catch it so a lot of times part of our job is like we're, we're playing detective trying to figure out like, OK, what's actually the best thing for this person because they can get injured um, or it's just not going to work for them or even like. I like, actually have another I have another question, yeah. actually, bro, kind of on this line. Um, since that whole breakout of like painkillers and opiate, like all the all the different things that have been happening with the pharmaceuticals and things like that. Have you seen a change in how you're allowed to handle things? Have you seen a change in how doctors are prescribing? Have you seen an increase, decrease? So I'm in uh, I'm in South Florida. Right? I'm in Miami, and we have a huge we had or like we, but we still do. We have a huge issue with like opioid addiction and opioid overdoses and opioid death. Right? There's a ton right. of laws and things like that that get put in place um, to try to help. And one actually just passed about a month ago. Um, we are seeing changes, and and I would say that there. It, Doctors have been prescribing a little bit differently, but I would probably say the biggest impact that I think that that whole wave of like opioid deaths and overdoses and things that has has brought up was pharmacists being scared um, to provide uh, these medications to people. Because at the end of the day, the pharmacist is like the la- that kind of like the last line of defense there. And a lot of times doctors write prescriptions assuming that pharmacists might catch some things. And the hardest thing I think has been has been the concern of like, if we give this to them and they die, it's our fault. That's been like the biggest impact. So what happens? Right. So it's made your job. It's made your job as an honest pharmaceutical 
um, a, a pharmacist, I should say, as an honest pharmacist, it's made your job harder then, correct? That's absolutely correct. It, it really has been. Um, it, it's really difficult to, and, and another misconception too that I think it's, it's good to bring up is that a lot of times people, like when I talk to people, they're like, oh, like I know you're a pharmacist, but like I really don't want to take this medicine or, or like, you know, I should be taking this one instead. But like pharmacists actually, a lot of us want to get you off of medications. Like our goal is to right. like make sure you get the treatment you need for when you need it, but then that's it. Like we don't, we don't want you to be on medication. Like we didn't go in here so we can literally be pill pushers. A lot of times we're trying to figure out how do we get you off of this? Like, do you need to be on this? For can I ask you, uh, can I ask you like a, a conspiracy type of question? Yeah, definitely, man. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so a lot of people talk about, and I've always kind of believed that this might be the case behind closed doors. Is there anything that, <laughs> that you would say any of the companies give doctors or pharmacists like compensation for pushing their stuff out to another. Oh yeah. That's not a conspiracy. That's like a, that's an actual thing. So where, where that the most impact that that has is prescribers, right? Uh, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, what happens is, is it's technically illegal for um, like for people to like pay doctors, like kind of directly for, I don't know. I don't want to say if illegal is the best word, but like it, pe doctors are not supposed to get paid to push like specific prescriptions right but what happens right. is they get they get wined and dined right so like a, a pharmaceutical rep will show up to a physician's office and say hey look at our new drug like it'd be really nice if you could prescribe this like you don't have to but like if you can that'd be cool oh by the way would you like to like have this you know have this super expensive like extravagant trip on us kind of thing and then damn that's a real thing yeah and then what happens is uh, what happens is that also, so the the drug companies can see on the back end after it's processed through like through like the processing system and the insurance, they can see if that drug was prescribed and who prescribed it. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and so where I'm from, I, I don't want to get too off track from like your interview, but I just have questions. No, nah, it's um, cool, man. Let's let's get that, let's talk um, to it, man. So back on uh, back where I'm from, have you heard of Cape Cod, Massachusetts? No, I have not. I've heard of Massachusetts, but not that particular okay. city. Okay, so Cape Cod is like an area. HBO did a special. It's called Heroin USA. And there's like per square foot, it's like one of the highest overdosing places in the U.S. And um, like poor, I think it's per population or something. I'm not sure the exact measurement of it. And a lot of people back home where I'm from right now are dying because they're lacing um, fentanyl with yep. heroin. Why why would that kill somebody? Is it stronger? What what about fentanyl is exact like is that just too powerful to be taking in the bloodline? Yeah. What is it? So fentanyl is like I mean just kind of trying to give you some good numbers here, but like fentanyl, you think about it, it's like fifty times stronger than like Percocet or like oxycodone. Like per like if you look really? at like per gram, yeah. So what happens is like So when did, when would be a case that you would subscribe that? So fentanyl is used for like people that have like cancer or like, you know, crazy traumatic injuries that are chronic. So fentanyl is usually used as a patch. Like that's where it's commonly used, um, especially like in the community setting, like it's a patch. Um, and it's usually used for like literally like can't like cancer or like a spinal cord injury that's like extremely severe and all the other medications have kind of failed. 
that's usually where like fentanyl kind of comes into, but it's extremely dangerous. Like if you haven't taken fentanyl, like fentanyl so dangerous, right? You have to be on another type of opioid, like another type of like Percocet, let's say for a certain amount of time and a certain dose before you could even start a fentanyl. Because if you were to just get a regular wow. dose of fentanyl, like right now, if you got the lowest dose of fentanyl and you put that patch on you, you could go into respiratory depression and die. Like it's crazy. Holy yeah, like that's it, it is a crazy, crazy medication. But they're putting it in these, in these, um, they're lacing it in these things because they can put so small amount for people to get like a high off of it, you know. So. So it's, but it's hard to get. So isn't it? Wouldn't it be pricey? Well, I. Honestly, I don't know the logistics of like how they're doing it like illegally, but I do think it's coming from like other countries, like where they're getting it from. I don't think they're they're uh, taking, I don't think they're taking stuff from from like U.S. pharmacies and putting it in there. Um, I think right. they're getting it from like outside of the country, and then kind of like when the drugs get kind of shipped in, they're already they're basically already laced with that stuff. Damn, that's some crazy. It's it's insane, man. Uh, it really is. And like one thing too that I wanted to mention. Um, you know, just, just like another misconception where you asked about like, if there's like backdoor issues and, and where pharmacists like kind of come in, you know how I told you, like sometimes a, a drug company will go to like a doctor to say, Hey, like, we'd really like it if you can prescribe this. You don't have to, but prescribe this. So what happens is that drug is usually super expensive, right? So the patient mm-hmm. takes that prescription to the pharmacy and we know that we know what this medication is, how much it costs, but we also know, we know a medication that works just as good. And it's like $5. But the medication you just brought because that doctor got swindled into prescribing it, it's $300. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of times, like, that's a, that's a role that we jump into to say, we'll call the doctor and be like, hey, like, you know, the doctor, the, this person, they don't have insurance, like, or, or their insurance isn't covering it. We need you to change this to this one because it's five bucks. And what do they usually say to that type of thing? Usually they're okay with it. I mean, it's rare that... Y'all are some good guys over there, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a really... That's really nice. Yeah, I mean, that's usually the goal, you know. I mean, a lot of times, like, you know, I will say there are bad apples in the sense of, like, some pharmacists won't care and they'll just process it and let you take care of it. But, like, the good pharmacists that actually care about what they're doing, that's, like, they're going to call the doctor to say, hey, we need to get this changed. Um, you know, we, we definitely need to get the patient to take the medication. So, and a lot of times the doctor's usually like, all right, fine, they're not going to fight it. Because what will happen is, like, we'll tell the patient, yo, your doctor said no, but we know that, you know, this is five bucks, but your doctor said no. So, like, they'll kind of get, like, a bad vibe from that doctor if that situation happens, you know? So. Right. Yeah. So, a lot of times that's kind of avoided. But, um, but yeah, man, it's a crazy world over here, man. I'm glad we got to kind of, you know, talk about what we do and, and drop some knowledge on you on, uh, on the stuff that, you know, how we're trying to have an impact on the community. So, that's pretty dope. Absolutely, man. That's dope. Um. So one of the questions I did want to get to is, uh, you know, our, our market is getting saturated. Like that's not a, a uh, it used to be where when we graduated, we get sign on bonuses and, jo- and people will be calling us next day for jobs. But our market's getting saturated and I'm trying to get pharmacists to understand like, hey, you guys got to start breaking out of the norm. You guys are going to have to start fighting for positions at some point. And what it kind of reminds me of is that like you are in a position where, like you're you're an up and coming artist, like you know you popped, but like you you didn't you're not on the top charts yet, but you're you're gonna get there. But right. what's that process like? How are you how are you building that brand and kind of being different to like make sure you get there? I think that like in in mine, I'm just being myself. I think that that's key to like the success of a personal brand and artist. Like 
staying true to who I actually am and just giving the world, you know, who I am genuinely, you know, who exactly I am. So I think with music is a little bit, a little bit easier, but also in the same token, I mean, with your type of job, I feel like they love people who, they love people who have good personalities. You know, I feel like people skills wins nine times out of 10, but in my craft, it's just by staying original, you know, don't be in anybody else's lane. Just uh, stay original, try new things, run a numbers game. I feel like a collaboration of all those things is kind of how I, how I stand out, how I make it to the next level, how I make my brand blow up, you know? Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because it, I think you're right. Like I think personalities a lot of time, like, you know, your um, emotional intelligence really plays through um, in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, not everyone's going to have like a, you know, outgoing, super, you know, charismatic personality. So I think that it's one of those things that you just kind of become self-aware. Like if you're not supposed to be on the front lines, you know, of a company where you're dealing with Agreed. customers, like you need to understand that and don't, don't put yourself in that position. We, there's so many pharmacists that end up being in positions where they're all they're doing is interacting with people all day, but they're not, they're not, they don't like people, you know? So it's like, you got to know that right. that's not your thing, you know? Like, and not to, not to disrespect anyone who's done a bunch of time in school or anything, but just to kind of put it into perspective, like when I was 18, I got hired at Apple. I had to do eight interviews, eight different interviews, including seminars to get that job. And I got that job over hundreds of other people who all had degrees. That's what shows you that people skills, you know, emotional intelligence, knowing how to work with humans. That's where, that's just exactly how you can factually show that a degree doesn't necessarily mean you're getting a job. It's just, you have to have a collaboration. If you're going to be on the front line of people skills, you have to be able to show that, you know, I, I'm better than this person because I can, I can talk to the people. I'll brighten someone's day up. Like people want people who people like in, in the end of the day, a degree doesn't make you a likable person. Just factually speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Not, I mean like we are, when we graduate, we're now competing to get like residencies and things like that. And hundred percent true. Like what's going to separate you from someone that has a 3.0 GPA from the next pharmacist that has a 3.0 GPA. Like that's going to be your people skills. Um, you know, a right. lot of times we have the same positions, you know, when we're getting involved, like we've all been the president of our class, you know, like at some point that's also going to become a commodity. So it's like, how are you going to set yourself apart? So that's where really that people stuff comes in, man. That's awesome. Agreed. So the last thing uh, I kind of wanted to wrap up here with, I heard somewhere that like your, your artwork on SoundCloud on your, on your tracks are dope, man. Like I love it. Like, and, and coming from someone that. I've recently kind of, you know, doing some self-awareness on, on my own. I've kind of realized that, like, I'm into design and things like that. I've been doing all, all my marketing and stuff like that for the podcast. And, man, I'm looking at your stuff. Like, Yo, that stuff is dope, man. How? What's up with that? Like, you're, you're doing that, right? Yeah, that's me. That's my artwork. I do all that. Um, on the most recent ones with the smiley faces, I didn't draw the actual smiley faces. I just do the animation behind it and the concepts and ideas. Uh, for the most recent stuff with the smiley faces, I did five album covers uh, for different moods. I had someone draw me five different emotions, and I just kind of built the idea around that with a color wheel. And uh, But I did all the Photoshop work. I did all the illustration and Final Cut. Um, and I've been doing my own album covers since, you know, since the very beginning. Everything from back to the We Rollin' EP and all my mixtapes that dropped pre-2008. 
And you're doing all that stuff like Photoshop, like you have all those skills, like all those design skills on those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do Photoshop, That's Final crazy. Cut. I used to work at Apple, so I, I, I've been very like uh, uh, well-rounded okay. with like online stuff, you know, well, anything on a computer, I should say, not online stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I'm good at Photoshop. I do all my own photo shoots too, like all the photos you see on Instagram. I actually set up either a self-timer on a tripod <laughs> oh or, I have a little rem- uh, or I have a little remote thing and then I just take the photos so I don't have to wait on anyone else's deadline. I'll take the photos, edit them myself and drop them like that. Yo, I love that, man. And like, man, I freaking love that. And the reason why I love that is because like, that's, I feel like that's what I'm doing. Like I started all the branding and all the video, like I started like a YouTube channel. I started doing vlogs and stuff like that. Like I learned how to do all that stuff, but I didn't have any of that in that background really. I just literally Googled and YouTubed all the stuff that I learned. And I really want people to like take that as like a lesson to them. Like don't let like nothing can hold you back at this point. Like there shouldn't be any excuse to like, Oh, you can't do something or they're doing I learned that everything I know on YouTube, everything I know on YouTube. Like there is no excuses for people who don't execute. Like factually speaking, the knowledge is out there. If you can't capitalize on the knowledge or find it, that's on you. But the knowledge is out there. I'm self-taught in every single thing from the production of music to being good at Final Cut to being good at that. Yes, I worked at Apple. I got the software for free and I got the training courses. But at that time, I was already advanced in these programs. So, And I learned all of that on a computer screen. And so there's really no excuses besides the fact that you're not executing or you're putting other things above what you should be doing. So are you ever going to take this to like apparel? Like, are you going to have like rolling, like a rolling fashion line or something? I definitely want to. I'm actually pretty heavy into fashion nowadays in terms of like my own style and like my own wave. I don't have any like stylists for any of my stuff now. So I had a stylist for a bit back in LA and I just, um, I was like, you know what? Let me just keep it original to what I like. So ever since I've just been on my own way, I do have my own rolling apparel right now where it's like all my merch is like rolling hoodies and rolling tees and stuff. So I do have that already. Um, but yes, I would like to come out with like an actual fashion line where it has like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that'd be dope, man. I just started doing like T-shirts and stuff like that to put on our. So it's a shameless plug. So head, head over to rxradio.fm. Check out some shirts if you guys, uh, <laughs> if anyone wants go, merch. <laughs> Hey man, I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm gonna put how people can find you everywhere on social media um, in the show notes below. Um, if you want to just maybe leave the listeners with like a last piece of advice and maybe let us know what you're kind of gonna be up to for the rest of the year. Yeah, I would just say advice is just uh, stay consistent. Uh, think every single day, every single minute. Is this something that the future me will thank me for? I I don't know who I heard that from, but I live by it religiously, and it helps me stay focused. It helps me stay on my game. And uh, later this year, probably in the next couple, maybe a couple weeks, I'm going to be dropping another album, so you guys can look forward to that. It's going to be some all-original stuff by me. So Awesome, man. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show, bro. It's all love, man. Good touching. Hey 
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed what you just listened to. Make sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms. And however you're listening, whether it be on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or something else we didn't just mention, we'd appreciate you to subscribe, leave us a rating, and even drop us a comment and let us know what you think. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.